This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to Bet and Breakfast, a podcast from BetSided. Hey, does anybody want coffee? Who wants coffee? It's sports betting for everyone. I'm here to tell you today that the New York Yankees season is done. Stick a fork in them, it's over. Lamar Jackson, I can't believe he's that low on the list that he's my bet for sure at this point in the season. Early leans, best bets, props, parlays. If you can bet it, we've got it. I'm taking the over on this. If you look at the last five games, this is a game waiting for points to be scored. Tom Brady, I think everyone's heard of him. If Brady puts up the numbers, they have the 10th easiest schedule the rest of the way. Get in, get out, and you're ready to go. I think they're going to have to give him the award if Dallas ends up locking up this division and possibly even that number one seed. And here are your hosts, Ben Heisler, Ian McMillan, Peter Dewey, Donovan Smoot, and Reed Wallet. What comes before anything? What have we always said is the most important thing? Breakfast family. I thought you meant the things you need. Bed and breakfast on a Monday. What's good, people? Good to have everybody back. Ben Heisler, slightly under the weather, so apologizing in advance, but I got my guys Reed Wallach and Peter Dewey here. Gentlemen, good to see you. Happy uh, one week or less to the start of March Madness. It is a is a good time to be a sports better right now. Very yeah, good. happy uh, conference championship week. Arguably better than the tournament, some would say. There, there's a sect say. out there. Some would say. I, I don't know if I would be one of those people to say it, but make make your argument then. Why, why is conference championship week actually better than the NCAA tournament? Uh, more games, more familiarity. Uh, I don't know. I just think that there's a lot more going on this week, and I think it's like the perfect appetizer for the tournament. Stakes aren't as high, obviously, but like the mix of like the mid-majors getting in and this weekend kind of showed it. Like The Moorhead State-Murray State game Saturday was awesome. I think that uh, yeah, I think people underrate uh, conference championship week. To be honest, where are you on this, uh, Peter? Because I I think actually you described it perfectly, Reed. It's the appetizer. Like mm-hmm. I love I love a good wings, love a good spin. <laughs> um, but it's not typically unless I'm going for a happy hour. The reason I want to go to the restaurant. It's it's Fair. enjoyable. Sometimes you bring them all together and you get lots of them. You share them with friends. <laughs> um, but no, I, I I want my steak dinner. Yeah, this is this is a great week. Don't get me wrong. I oh, mean, for sure. I love conference championship week, but I I don't think there's there's very few things in sports that are better than that first weekend of the round of sixty four, round of thirty two, where you just have games all day, every day. Is that is really hard to top? And I know we kind of get that with conference championship week because everybody's playing, but at the same time, it's just the level of competition. It takes another step in in March Madness. It really does. Like. Some of these smaller conference tournaments, like Reed, I'm sure you watch almost every game because you love college basketball, but it is hard for me to get into like a 7-10 matchup in like the SOCOM. Like I just, I can't do, I get, I'm, I'm probably not going to be that into it, but uh, you get me anything in the, in the NCAA tournament, I'm watching. I was one of those guys, and I'm sure you guys were able to do this too. Um, when the NCAA tournament started in school, um, we had a high school radio station. And I don't know how they let us, but they had like an actual cable TV that was probably the size of like the screen of our phone that you're probably watching this broadcast on right now. And (laughs) there would probably be about 20 of us that were all doing radio that would just sort of sneak away from class Mm. and go up to the the top floor of our high school and, and just sneak away and watch the games. Like I just have such vivid, wonderful memories of not 
really skipping class, but just sort of working around class. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, I did. I did the same did thing. In, yeah, I did that in high school too. Whether it was like finding a way, like because in high school I had like a cell phone, so I would like kind of check the scores on my phone. But obviously, the teachers would like freak out if you had your phone so like you have to like be sneaky about it you have to like know which games were when and like stagger your oh can i go to the bathroom during class so like you could go check the floors <laughs> and whatever or like if like you had like the computer tech class you could like just like kind of have like an espn sidebar the whole time so yeah everyone had like those like workarounds during uh march madness for sure and the other I component think- too oh go ahead peter I was gonna say, I think the best one I had is when the March Madness Live app was. So whenever that started, I just remember being in high school and sitting, making sure when I walked into a classroom, sitting by an outlet, plugging my phone in and just propping <laughs> my phone up on my binder and watching whatever like the twelve o'clock, one o'clock game was. And um, like my the end of my high school career, I always made sure I had study hall at the end of the day, mm-hmm. so I could just sit in there and watch watch one of the games. It's uh. Good times. Good times. I, if I remember the RJ Hunter, Ron Hunter, like oh. fall out of his chair or his like little wheelie thing. I believe that was like an early game, either the first thir- the first Thursday or Friday of the tournament, because I remember I was in class and my teacher at the time happened to be the man and he put on the end of the game because it was obviously a big upset. So he oh, that's great. the end of the game at the end of our class, like the timing Worked out, so we caught the end of it in class. So I remember that the RJ Hunter uh, three against Baylor. And those, that's one, those that's like one of the that best March Madness man. Yeah, that was great. Game. I agree. Yeah, that was fantastic. And it's, again, it's it's one of the teachers that you remember. Like you might have a, a and again, like for for all the teachers that might be listening, like well, of course we <laughs> obviously care about the lesson <laughs> plans and, and the actual education. But I mean, we're telling the story. How many years later, Reed? Like from from the time that <sighs> happened. This must have been 2014, if my memory serves. I graduated high school in 2015, so something like that. Okay. We're talking, we're talking about eight years ago. Yeah. That, that stands out. Like, we're, we're having conversations from when I was in high school in, in 2003, four, and five. Like, these are it's these things that we remember. These, are, these help mm, your legacy carry on. Exactly. So speaking of legacies carrying on, um, we do have conference tournament week. As Reed said, maybe arguably – um, the, the part that could be better than the NCAA tournament at times. Uh, certainly I think about the, those crazy big East tournaments uh, with Kemba Walker and UConn going all the way through uh, some, some remarkable big 10 uh, conference tournaments in the past as well. Uh, we've already seen a couple teams already punch their ticket to March madness in Loyola Chicago, as well as Murray state. Uh, we'll actually keep track of all those teams for you so that you can sort of have it as, as, as a bookmark for you over at bedside. But um, I know we're going to get into our, our favorite best bets for conference tournament week a little bit later on, but I kind of wanted to, to get your guys' perspective on a few tournaments that might be starting on the earlier side uh, and any ones that maybe we should be jumping in on earlier if there's any teams that stand out. So as week two, because conference tournament week actually started last week, finally gets going, um, give me the, the team or the conference tournament that maybe you guys have your eye on. Peter, I can start with you on this one. Yeah, I'm looking at the Mountain West. I just think it, it's going to be one of the most competitive conference tournaments. Like you look at the top of that conference and there's probably six, maybe seven teams that can win the conference. Boise State, Colorado State, San Diego State, Wyoming, UNLV, and then Fresno State, Utah State. I mean, you can't sleep on them. Those teams are both plus 1,200 at Wimbet, but I don't think they're like uh, as much of a long shot as it may feel um, to win the conference. I like Wyoming a lot. Um 
in this one. They're plus 700. And really, it's just going for the value. Like I said, like anybody can win this conference. Wyoming has won games, big games against teams in this conference. Other teams have won big games against teams in this conference. But the thing I like about Wyoming is they shoot the ball extremely well, and they don't allow their opponents to shoot very well. They're t- 61st in effective field goal percentage, and they're 60th in opponent effective field goal percentage. So um, kind of trying to hang my hat on good shooting teams. That's been like my motto going through um, – this entire season i'm just going to kind of carry that into conference tournament and the ncaa tournament it's just when you have good shooting teams in college basketball you avoid those long scoring droughts that can really swing a game um so that's kind of what i'm looking at but this the mountain west like you could pick out of a hat and i mean this conference is going to be so fun to watch so definitely have my eye on that one for sure yeah they've been so good all year and i i'm jealous that you know both of you guys have been watching more mountain west games than i have consistently over the course of the year i jumped in more so after the end of nfl season um but as far as as mountain west goes read any any teams other than wyoming maybe stand out for you i think that you know peter really hit the nail on the head that it is wide open there are several teams that could come out with it i'm trying to pull up the bracket as because the way i look and when we get to kind of i guess my pick it's, I think you have to look at the bracket when you're looking at this stuff. And sure. for me, if there is a team that can make a run in, cause again, I don't like Boise state um, as the, um, I believe they were around plus 300. I don't like, I don't really see value in going chalk here just cause everyone is very close. These, these teams know each other very well. I kind of like Utah state coming from the seven seed. They've had a really uh, tough go at it this year. A lot of injuries, a lot of, poor variants throughout the year they should have beaten per shot quality colorado state two weeks ago they get them in the quarterfinals if they get past air force which i think they will and then they have experience beating san diego state who could be their semifinal matchup um they beat them by i think it was 17 points a month and a half ago so utah state they have a great uh wing and justin bean brock miller's back from injury i think the aggies if we're looking long shot i think they're north of 10 to 1 they could make a run i'm kind of mulling taking a stab on them honestly interesting so they have to play one more game relative to their competition but, yeah they're gonna be big favorites against utah state though like they, they'll be laying double digits against utah, utah state. state will or you mean against air force yeah, against air force i'm sorry uh utah state will be massive favorites against air force i'd be shocked if they lost that game so again sometimes the buy helps you but also the buy gives you enhanced value in a game you're very likely to win so, like, in this case, I think people are like, oh, Utah State has to play an extra game. Yeah, but they're playing Air Force, who is terrible. So, I think that, sure, they could lose. I'll pull up their recent results against them from this season. But I think Utah State will get past them. And then I think they're going to be somewhat live to be Colorado State. So, I think you're getting kind of enhanced value. All right. Fair enough when it comes to that opportunity. You're right. It's wide open in the mouth. Of course, as a, they lost at Air Force on December 29th, 49-47, but then they did beat them by 27 at home in February. So take it for and, and Air Force is a, is a fairly slow-paced team. So like you're going to have that go – those those types of matchups can happen every so often where the pace favors the, the lesser team. They get some stops. Other team doesn't make shots, and they're, they end up being okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Utah – I do – Wyoming's – those are my guys, but – I think if we're looking like deeper down the board, I think Utah State has some value. All right, so Utah State, Wyoming, both some some intriguing plays on the board for the Mountain West. Uh, what about for you, Reed? Which are the the conference tournaments or perhaps teams that you you have your eye on at least in the earlier stages here? Uh, I 
I like Marquette. I did some work on this last night and I bet them at nine to one. I know seven to one is kind of the more widely available number at win bet, but I think seven to one is also good. Just looking at their path. I think that they're somewhat undervalued. They play Creighton in the four or five matchup. The Big East kind of sets up interesting, especially the bracket. I wish like we could bring in the bracket so I could talk it out, but Providence, of course, is the one seed, and everyone's talking about Providence, how no one likes them, how the market doesn't like them, all that. Okay, so let's keep playing against that. It even helps this case because there's three first-round games, and then the four and five play each other. And the four and five is Marquette and Creighton. And Marquette lost to Creighton in double overtime, and then by one or two points uh, two weeks ago. So, okay, maybe a toss-up game in the four or five. But that being said, Creighton now doesn't have their starting point guard uh, – Ryan Emhart. So Creighton is worse now. So I like Marquette here. Also, they then play Providence, a team that they lost to um, in a heartbreaker and a game they were plus two and a half on the road. So again, the market's going to look at Providence. That's a near pick em game. So again, you're getting bigger numbers in games that they have a chance to be arguably favored in. And then it helps me even more because Villanova and UConn, the two, I guess, odds makers favorites to win this tournament, they play each other in the semifinals if all goes chalk. So, again, Marquette could get to the finals in a game, in two games where they're a pick them or so, you know, minus 130, plus 130 in that range. And then you're in the finals against Villanova or UConn if those two get there. And all of a sudden you're in, you're in the finals with a big ticket and you could maybe look to hedge, you could play it out, whatever you want. But to me, the bracket broke perfectly for Marquette to make a run at the Garden. That being said, also Shaka Smart, first year at Marquette. He has plenty of success in tournaments. Obviously, quick turnarounds is where Smart's havoc-driven defense thrives. He's won two conference championships at VCU. He won the Big 12 tournament last year against uh, with Texas. And I like Marquette. I think that they're, they're havoc-driven defense. They play super fast. They're tough, tough prep. Um, they play 27th fastest tempo. They are number – two in the Big East in turnover rate. They protect the ball well themselves. I just think that this is a team that can make a run, so I like the number. Yeah, Reed, I love that pick. As you know, I mean, our best bets video a few weeks ago, I said Marquette was one of my dark horse teams to make the Final Four, and part of the thinking in that is can they win the Big East tournament? And the bracket literally could not have broken any better mm-hmm. for them because of Nembhard's injury. Like, Creighton is Creighton was surging the end of this season they still played well but i just don't like i just don't think they're going to be able to overcome that injury and and really make a run in this tournament and i think the the other way to look at this is if you're marquette now you can go you beat creighton you can knock off providence and you possibly get a shot at villanova in the final team they beat twice and so if you beat them again, like how far does their seeding go in the NCAA tournament? Like they could really improve their resume. Like there's so many teams in these conference tournaments that can do it. Marquette is one that can really improve their resume. And like you have to start thinking if they win the Big East, like where do they land on like that four or five type of line? Because I mean, they're going to have so many quality wins this season. So I, I love that pick for sure. The Big East tournament is another one of those where I feel like it's kind of a toss-up. Like Villanova is the rightful favorite, but I think there's a few teams that can win that tournament for sure. Yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Marquette is also one of those teams that'll scare you a little bit too because you're right, the defense does play at this time of year, but then there are also times where they just they miss out on opportunities against teams that they should absolutely beat. And that's almost kind of been a, a staple of, 
of Shaka teams over the last handful of years. Certainly this year at Marquette, they've had plenty of opportunities, but they're probably going to move up a little bit further in the standings. Um, but I, I think from a talent standpoint and from a matchup standpoint, if it's right, then they're, they can hang with anybody, especially in the Big East. So uh, from a value standpoint, I, I think it's absolutely there. Um, I, I started digging into the whack a little bit, um, believe it or not. And oh, I, 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 I have a lean in the whack. I'm curious what you're going to say. Okay, well, I I kind of like Stephen F. Austin. Oh, that's mine. <laughs> yes. yes. Oh, I, I, feel, mine. I feel very very good knowing that that you and I are leaning in the same direction here. Um, so looking over at the odds at WinBet right now, New Mexico State's the favorite. They're at plus one sixty, followed by Grand Canyon at three to one, and then Seattle and Stephen F. Austin both come in at plus four seventy five. Um, they're a team that's extremely hot right now coming out of that conference. They're five and zero in their last five games. Um, and I was looking at this both relative to their, their season long stats, as well as this five game sample, which I think is indicative of teams that are just playing well, can set up very well, ride a little bit of momentum into the conference tournament. Um, they have the second best net rating in their last five games at plus 14.9. Um, I, Reed, I was actually thinking about you when I, when I, I put these numbers together, uh, over at CBB analytics, because I was thinking about what you'd always been talking about with. Uh, Ken Palm teams from adjusted offensive and defensive efficiency, right? You want teams that are in the top 20 for both of those that give you the best chance to win the tournament, but their offensive and defensive rating over the last five games has been outstanding. They're in the 88th percentile in offensive rating at 112.3. That's by far and away the best in the whack. Their defensive rating has been very good as well. 97.4. A uh, couple teams that are slightly ahead of them in grand Canyon and Abilene Christian, um, but, but Stephen F. Austin from both sides of the ball is doing really, really well. They have by far and away the, the best effective field goal percentage right now over the last five games are in the 96th percentile. They're great at getting to the free throw line and they're by far and away the best offensive rebounding team in the WAC. So they're going to get second half possessions. They're going to be able to go and get free throw shots and they're going to make them as well. Um, purely based on, on sort of opportunity with everyone being a little bit crowded up. They're the three seed uh, in this tournament, uh, but they're sort of at the the four level when it comes to the odds. Uh, they have as good of a chance to win this tournament as anybody, uh, especially with how they've been playing as of late. Yeah, no, I again, I was, I was, you know, obviously doing, you know, prep for the pod and you know, looking over the odds for where, you know, I see things, and I ended up just kind of liked my cap on Marquette a little bit more. But no, I was looking at the odds, and I felt the same way that. It, to me, it was Stephen F. Austin. I have kind of been liking the um, Seattle a little bit, but I just like how Stephen F. Austin's playing. Their numbers translate really well. Again, I'm trying to get the bracket up as fast as I can here, but um, I, I I have it for you. So it is. They have only a single buy, right? Um, no, I think they have a double buy okay. because they get the winner of of Game Five, which is against Number Four Utah Valley, and then the winner of yes. Game Three which is either Seattle or UT Rio Grande Valley, that winner plays against Abilene Christians. And then that, oh, okay, wait, yeah. I'm, I'm, wait, am I looking at the, I might be looking at the wrong bracket. Um, I think I was looking at the women's round. No, fake out. Um, the winner, they do play in the second round against the winner of game four, which would be against number six, Abilene Christian, or the winner of game two between Chicago State and Utah Valley. Yeah, so, okay. So this is why, this is why I, um, I like Stephen Austin here. Abilene Christian, I know that everyone's going to resonate with them because last year they beat Texas. Ironically, we were just talking about Chaka Smart. But this is not the same Abilene Christian team 
from last year. Yes, they still generate a lot of turnovers, but their defense has taken a considerable step back. They're now just in their 99th in Kempom's just defensive efficiency. If they're not generating turnovers, they're letting up buckets. And again, I think that they could get gashed inside by Stephen F. Austin, who has the number one two point offense in the wax. So again, I believe if I'm not mistaken, the odds fate Abilene's higher than Stephen F. Austin, just based off their name alone. I think that that's incorrect. Obviously Stephen F. Austin has to play one less game. And also I like being on the opposite side of New Mexico state. Who's like the clear favorite. Yes, absolutely. So good opportunities there. Uh, Peter going with Marquette, or I'm sorry, Reed going with Marquette. Peter had them a handful of weeks ago in his best bets and dark horse bets to, to make the final four um, from that perspective. And then Peter, of course, going with Wyoming to win the, win the Mountain West. Stephen F. Austin for me at plus 475 to win the WAC. Those are some of our early leans. We'll have all of our favorite best bets from conference tournament week coming up on Tuesday in our best bets video right here over on YouTube. I got to go to, to Peter because he's been keeping track of all the, the latest MVP movement in the NBA this year. Um, it kind of feels like a bit of a two-man race between Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic. I've been trying to yell from the, the top of the mountaintop for either John Morant or Luka Doncic to continue to get consideration, especially with how good both of those guys have been playing as of late. But you've been doing the research, Peter. You've been tracking this all season long. Is this for sure a two-man race and a two-man race only. Um, does Giannis start to get himself into the mix as well? Uh, could Steph Curry make a run? DeMar DeRozan's been around for a while. Like, where are we right now when it comes to handicapping the NBA MVP race down the stretch? So this is far from a two-man race, Ben. I think if you're trying to build out your portfolio now for MVP, there's still some value in taking guys that are not named Joel Embiid, who's the odds-on favorite right now at minus 115 at Wimbet. And there's a few reasons why there's basically you make made a great point this past week um, on bet side about Luka Doncic because the Mavs are 22 and seven since January 1st. They're playing some of the best basketball in the NBA. And so Luka Doncic has been the driving force of that. You have to make some kind of argument if they can move up the standings. But I think the bigger argument you have is the John Morant one at 12 to one right now, because the Grizzlies are now the two seed and the big thing I like to do with some of these awards in the NBA, and I think it's unfortunate that we have to do this because value is derived in so many different ways. Like we've talked about the plus minus the off on numbers of Nicole Jokic. The Nuggets are have a net of like plus 20 when he's on the on off the floor this year, which is by far more than anybody in the NBA. They have the worst net rating of any team in the NBA, basically, when he's off the floor. Like, if you took Nikola Jokic off this team, they'd have a worse net rating than the Detroit Pistons. That's that's how valuable he is. But obviously, that's not how this award is voted. And so you have to go back, and you got to look at this. And so some of the trends that I've noticed of not just the past five years, we're talking all time. So prior to 2017, when Russell Westbrook won the MVP um, as the sixth seed for the Thunder, 30 of the 31 previous MVPs were either a one or a two seed. The only one who broke that trend was Michael Jordan won it as a three seed. So everybody else was a one or a two seed. It was basically the voters were saying, if you're the best, one of the best teams in the conference, it's going chalk. Since then, Westbrook and Jokic have broken that trend. Jokic was the four when he won it last year. So the argument there is, People are getting smarter in terms of how they're voting these awards. It doesn't have to be from the best team in the best conference. Like, for example, the Suns, Devin Booker right now is plus 4,000 to win the MVP. 
there is no way Devin Booker should win the MVP over some of these other guys on the board. It just shouldn't. I don't care that he's on the best team. So the voters are going to have to make a decision. John Morant could be in that top two. Um, Joel Embiid is most likely going to be in that top two in the East. Then you look, if Miami hangs on to the one, that kind of knocks DeRozan out of that conversation with the Chicago Bulls. So there's a bunch of moving parts here. Steph Curry has really played himself out of the MVP. I don't know if there is a, a real path for him at this point, especially if Golden State doesn't fall in the top two. I don't see it. Um, but then the other trend I want to look at, which I think this one is it might be the more important trend, is in the history of the MVP award, there is one player who has won the MVP without playing 85% of his team's games, and that is Bill Walton. Back in the 77-78 season, he played 58 games and won the MVP. Everybody else who has won the MVP has played at least 85% of the games. So then when you look at, you know, you come down this list and like Kevin Durant, for example, we, I wrote about this when he got hurt. He was out of the race at that point because he wasn't going to get to that threshold. And so Kevin Durant could go crazy these next 20 games. And there's no way that he has a chance to win the MVP. It's just the precedent is not there. So I think right now, like I've been, I've been screaming that Jokic is the MVP. I think just his on-off numbers, there's just nobody who can compare. But the big thing for me is you can't sell your soul on Embiid because the East is too close. There's no way at minus 115 he's worth it because if the Sixers drop like three or four games at some point later in this season and they fall behind the Bucks or they fall behind the Bulls. Now DeRozan and Giannis have cases to take the award over Embiid, and you don't want to be betting on Embiid at minus, 15, uh, minus 115. So I think there are plenty of ways. Like I, If I was going to build my MVP portfolio right now, I think I'd take a shot at Doncic. I think I'd take a shot at Morant, and I think I'd take a shot at Jokic um, before I went anybody else. Just purely off of Morant's got a chance to put the Grizzlies top two. Jokic, if they can move from the six, I believe they're a game and a half out of the five now or a game out of the five. If they can move into that five, four range, I think he's got a shot at it again. And then Dodge is the same thing. They've been really hot. So if they somehow come and they overtake the Warriors in the West, I think there's an argument for those three guys for sure. All right. So here are the latest odds right now over at WinBet for those guys. You have them beat at minus 120 followed by Jokic at plus 200. So you're still getting plus value for somebody like Peter said. That's that's his guy at the top of the list based on all the different research compiled here. Giannis comes in at plus 550, followed by Moran at 12 to 1. Curry's still hanging around at, at 20 to 1, although we just talked about how his odds are I, probably more so for, from a name brand value and because he was in the lead at the beginning of the season. DeMar DeRozan had a, had a massive leap, I remember, at the start of the second half from 25 to 1 to as, as low as 8 to 1. But with the Bulls struggling and struggling to get some consistency going, um, he's probably out of the mix as well, though he's had a great season. Uh, and then you talk about Doncic, who I, I still feel is worthy of consideration. You talked about how the Mavs are, are uh, in their last 29 games, 22 and 7, and he's been a direct result of it. He's averaged in those last 29 games, 29.3 points, 10 rebounds, and 9 assists. Two crazy numbers for, for somebody that is leading that way and – I also think about all the different comebacks that, that they've had after he's gone off the court. And I, I think we wrote about this over at Betsided as well. I think Donovan Smoot wrote this one up. When Doncic leaves, it's kind of like your Jokic argument, right? When they're off the court, their team 
I don't want to call them a disaster, but they blow leads constantly. And then they need Doncic back on the court to be able to make it happen. Same thing with Jokic. By the way, Jokic uh, via Action Network, 46 points, 12 rebounds, 11 assists, four blocks, three steals last night. Um, he is the only player in NBA history to ever record that stat line since steals and blocks started being tracked. Absolutely insane season for Jokic and absolutely noteworthy in that conversation. Reed, is there anybody that uh, we need to consider as well? I just I I think it's Embiid or Jokic. I just uh, that's how I see. I think that um, DeRozan, Morant, Doncic. I think that they just have too much ground to make up. I think if it's not Embiid, it is Jokic who goes back to back just for the effort. I mean, look at that stat line you just rattled off. And I think that especially given how clumped up everyone is at the top. I know Phoenix. They're kind of a by-committee team anyway, and they're far and away the best team record-wise. But I just – I don't see voters really giving DeRozan the nod over Embiid because they're three games better than the Sixers, like if that's what it comes down to. Or if the Grizz get the two and the Nuggets are the five, but Jokic is playing with four janitors. Like I just – like I don't really see the <laughs> – I just don't see the voters giving – I don't see enough of a shift in the final – 15 to 20 games across the league, taking the narrative away from Jokic and Embiid, if that makes sense. I think that next season might be Morant if he could follow it up because he now has precedent. Like it's almost, he came on too fast, like for him to win this award. So I still think it's Embiid or Jokic. I still almost give the nod to Embiid because he hasn't won it. And the and he has been so great. And like now they have Harden, they seem to be looking more like a championship contender. That's only helping his case. And he's just getting fouled at like an absurd rate that his numbers are just going to keep looking gaudy. But yeah, I just think that it, it to me, it's Embiid or Jokic just because they have the season long candidacy that I just don't see these voters. I, again, we are basically betting on a subjective award that people vote on typically of the older belief and slow to react to certain things. So right. that being said, you almost have to throw out what might make the most sense and look at, well, what's actually happening. You know, you need to try and remove the bias like that. Like the MVP, the NFL MVP, I thought that like Tom, Br like it's recency bias again. So like maybe they can make a, a run, but it, it's 82 games versus 16. So it's a little bit different, 17, right. but it's a little bit different. Yeah. That's, that's one of the reasons why I've, I've been looking back on some of these trends because you just see where have the voters gone? Just why do they keep going to this, these same spots? I think, the argument I've had, even though I, I still think Doncic is in the conversation just with how well he's played, but like the argument for Doncic, he's not going to reach that 85% threshold this year right. because the Mavs have 18 games left. He's only played 48. So that that is like that would be kind of what takes him out of the running. But this is the crazy thing. This is why I, my last Jokic point that I will hammer home. So we talk about how bad the Mavs have been with or without Doncic. The Mavs this year per 100 possessions on off with or without Luka Doncic, they're plus 0.1 points. 100 possessions that's his on off Joel Embiid is plus 11.6 okay so that, that's why he's the MVP favorite Nikola Jokic is plus 16 <sighs> difference of how much better uh, all right we Peter's connection just got a little plus bit something really good yeah <laughs> oh as soon as we get him back we're gonna need him you're so passionate that. about it too I know oh this is devastating um all right, well, we'll, we'll get anyway. Peter back. And, and if not, we'll, we'll make sure that he tweets out that stat because uh, I know he's been following and, and been on the Jokic train 
Uh, consistency. I I think again. I think if it's not a beat, it's Jokic. I think it's a two man race, honestly. I, I think so too. All right. Uh, we will wait for Peter to to get that uh, est- uh, connection established once again. Oh, there he is. All right, Peter, we got you back. Yeah, I'm sorry, my interconnect connect drop. The connection right. dropped. Give, give give us that 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 number one more time from Jokic. Did we lose one? I think we did. Okay. Uh, all right. All right, we'll we'll bring Peter back if we get uh, if we get it reestablished. But let's let's go into best bets. Read. Uh, you're looking on the college side. Both Peter and I are looking on the NBA tonight. So who do you like from uh, from the NCAA for today's best bets? Yeah. So just rule. I wouldn't even call it rule of thumb, but just something to keep in mind. These tournament games where the teams are set like like that day, you're not going to get the lines at like your typical time. Like I now I. Obviously, you have like your projected openers, but the Chattanooga Furman SoCon Championship, the line literally just got posted at a few shops, if you want to call it that, a few offshore books. Uh, but it's opening around minus one. I would take uh, Chattanooga up to one and a half. They beat Furman both times this season, one time without Silvio De Sosa, their star big man. I just. Again, Furman, high-powered offense, but they're going up against the best defense in the SoCon, so that's kind of the match to keep an eye on. But uh, Chattanooga with Malachi Smith and DeSosa, I think they have too much firepower here. Also, Furman was in a dogfight yesterday. Uh, last night was the last game of the day against Samford. That game went down to the wire. I just think Chattanooga's better. Uh, minus one, minus one and a half, that's fine. I think Chattanooga wins this one and punch a ticket. Also, sleeper to make it to the second week in the tournament. Do not sleep on the Chattanooga team. Also, they are uh, a pick them right now at WinBet. So if you oh, like it opened at WinBet, okay. Win half, uh, pick them, go get it. Yeah, then absolutely go ahead and jump on that line. Uh, Peter, you and I are looking NBA tonight. Uh, tell us the tell us the play for you. Yeah, speaking of Luka Doncic that we've been talking about, I'm going to take the Mavs minus one here, one and a half here um, against the Jazz. Jazz on the second night of a back-to-back. Really haven't been impressed by them lately. They, they didn't cover against – OKC yesterday and it ended up getting really close. I think it closed at 13 and a half, but it was an eight point game with like a minute to go. And then OKC kind of um, almost blew the, the the cover. That would have been a terrible beat. Um, but they also had to go to OT against the Rockets. They were blown out by 30 against the Pelicans. Um, and this Mavericks team, like I said, they're 22 and seven since the new year. Um, Luca's going to be back tonight. They were able to win their last game, even though he didn't play. Um, and, and the big thing with Dallas right now is their fourth in offensive rating over their last 10 games. This has been a team that's hung their hat on the defensive end. They play at the slowest pace in the NBA. Um, so the fact that they're fourth in offensive rating, like they're executing very well right now. And, um, I just think Utah as good as Utah's offense has been this year. I just don't know if they have an answer for Luca. So I like the Mavs as small favorites at home. All right. Mavs at minus one and a half against Utah. Uh, I'm staying in the NBA as well. I like Detroit. How about the Detroit Pistons as of late? Going and, and playing hard for Dwayne Casey and, and starting to uh, to cover some games in the process. They've actually covered in every game but one since the middle of February. They're 6-1 and one against the spread. Um, and they're like, excuse me, 6-0-1, oh I should say. That one other game that uh, there was a push. 6-0-1 um, oh against the spread in their last seven games. Uh, meanwhile, we've, we've heard about that crazy stat about Atlanta that either they win, and when they do win, they end up covering. When they lose, they end up failing to cover in almost every single game. Uh, the Hawks are also atrocious on the road against the spread. They're 10-21-0. And, 
And then I was thinking like, okay, like how does this relate? Like is Detroit actually playing better or are other teams playing poorly? Um, went over to NBA.com, went and threw their, um, their, their different numbers as far as advanced stats go. Defensive rating, they are all the way up to, to top 13 in the league over their last seven games. Like they're playing on a much better level. Their offensive rating is right now hovering around middle of the pack, uh, especially against the Atlanta team that doesn't come in typically motivated on the road. Uh, and you have Cade Cunningham to help neutralize Trey Young as best you can. I think it's a matchup that makes a lot of sense. And it's still plenty of points for a team that's been playing better. That's been covering in a lot of games. So give me Detroit plus seven and a half against Atlanta at home. I think it's a very favorable matchup, especially with the way that they're playing now. And that is our show. Again, apologize for, uh, for the voice being a little bit under the weather, but great stuff for my guys, Peter and Reed. Make sure you guys go ahead and give us a follow over on social media as well. We are at BetSided on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Also, make sure you guys give us a thumbs up uh, and go ahead and subscribe on our YouTube channel as well or wherever you get your podcast. Kindly leave us a review. We certainly do appreciate it. So for my guys, Peter and Reed, I am Ben. We will be back tomorrow for our best bets for conference tournament week and then a brand new bet and breakfast on Thursday. Until then, may all of your best bet hits. Until then, we'll talk to you guys soon. Be good. Thank you.